Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description of this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring this message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, Fellowship Church. How are we doing this morning? How many of you come expecting something from God? I know I did. All week I've been excited about this new Sears prayer. You know, when, when you pray, how many of you know things start happening? When you pray, walls start falling. And when you invite Jesus into your situation, how many of you know that's when he starts to work? Amen. You know, all through the Bible, you hear about prayers being answered, and you, you hear about things happening. But have you, how many of you know there's sometimes where the prayer that you've been praying for, the thing that you've been praying for, the miracle that you've been praying for, sometimes God says, wait. And it might not look the way you want it to, but guess what? He is in the working. Amen. He is in the breaking. And when that miracle finally comes, that's when you rejoice, amen? That's when you give God all the praise, all the glory. He's worthy of that, amen? Yes, you're worthy, you're worthy.
scripture says that God told Moses to tell Israel, this is the blessing I want spoken over my people, over the Israelites. And this morning in this room is a group full of God's people. So as we sing this, we don't just sing it, but we receive it as a very personally tailored, specific, specific blessing to be spoken over you individually, to be spoken over you and you and you, every single person in this room. God said, this is the blessing I have for my people. So this morning, church, we receive that, amen? So if you're comfortable, if you would just lift your hands with us this morning as we sing this, knowing that God is right there looking down going, yes, that is for you. That is for you. Thank you, God.
have a plan that starts at the beginning and goes to the end and you know everything in between. You don't waver, you don't question, you know the plan, God. And your promises are built into that plan. And God, you don't know how to fail on your promises. When you say something, Lord, we believe and we know that that is gonna happen, that that is gonna come to pass. So even in the moments where it seems like things are shuffling around and it seems like things don't make sense and things are hard and they hurt, God, your promises are true. You do not waver. Come on, church, sing this. His favor be upon you and a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children. 
been a lot of things and a lot of people in our life right, as we've gone through life that maybe weren't faithful to us. We, we've all been betrayed. We've all been hurt. And we sometimes look for friendships that go, will you, will you be my friend and you, and you not hurt me? <laughs> Can I have a relationship with you and, and, you, and you be faithful to me? And sometimes that's the way we feel, but you look at your track record with God. He's always been faithful. He's never let you down. He's never failed you. He's never going to fail you. He loves you so much. So, Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for that faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you've never let us down. How good you are to us, God. Thank you for that. Because in a world of unfaithfulness, we need someone to be our rock. Someone to be our anchor point. Someone that we know that their love will never move. blessings, all the times when you picked us up and we've fallen, all the times you've been there, Lord, when nobody else has. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. You're so good to us. Let's give him a praise offering before we see you. So good. Thank you, Jesus. All right, guys, as you guys make your way back to your seats and we continue the service, if you are watching with us online, thank you so much for being a part of Fellowship Church. Uh, thank you so much for taking the opportunity to, to be a part of this family. And so uh, thank you so much. If you are a guest or a visitor here in the auditorium, we'd love to have a record of you, be, of you being here, as well as online. If you are watching online and you're a guest, it's super easy to get more information here at Fellowship. All you got to do is text the word fellowship to 94,000 and you'll be given a link uh, to get some more information about Fellowship Church. We also have an upcoming guest reception that you will be invited to. But thank you so much for coming in person. If you're watching from home, we'd love to see you again in person. So know that you're always welcome here at Fellowship. Well, guys, we've got some really cool stuff going on. You can always check out our website, listen for announcements, watch social media. If you are not, uh, uh, if you don't like, have not liked us yet on Facebook or, or followed us yet on Instagram. That is a great, great way to know what is going on here at Fellowship Church. Well, one thing that we do have coming up uh, in October is our marriage retreat. Now, Rebecca and I, we've taught marriage renewal and rescue. We wrote that, I think, like almost 18 years ago, uh, Renewal and Rescue 1.0, and then we wrote 2.0, which was a follow-up to that. Well, since then, we had a lot of people go through that, and they're like, hey, when are you going to come out with something new? Like, I, I want to do a marriage retreat, but I, I want, I've done those. I want to do something else. Okay, so we're doing something new. And we've written uh, a new curriculum for our marriage retreat coming up in October. We're super excited about One of the sessions we're super excited about is how to make your marriage last for the long haul. You know, we want our marriage to last long term. Rebecca and I just celebrated 31 years of marriage last weekend. Yes, last week. It was... And, and for us, like, I love her more than ever before. Our relationship is stronger than it's ever been. And that's what we want for everyone. But it didn't get there uh, without work. And it's not something like special about us to make us be able to, to be married that long and, and, and uh, ha have that kind of blessing in our marriage. It just took work. And it just took uh, Jesus' hand upon our marriage. 
And God has just worked some really, really cool stuff. And we want to share that stuff with you. So we only have eight spots left for the marriage retreat coming up in October. Once we fill those eight spots, though, then we can go to the hotel and we can purchase more blocks so we can have more. So we're trying to get to that uh, threshold of, of 50 couples so that we can go ahead and get more blocks purchased from the, the resort in, um, in Breckenridge. It's going to be in Breckenridge. You're going to come up on Thursday evening. Uh, we'll have Friday and we'll have Saturday. Now, it's going to be sessions. There's going to be awesome worship. But also, you're going to be given time to just enjoy the mountains uh, with, with each other. And there's going to be times where you can build uh, romantic interludes in with that weekend. So uh, make sure you make plans to go. It's awesome. You can, you can sign up on the Church Center app. Get your deposit in anyway just to get your spot held. It's $125 deposit. It's $425 for the weekend. And I know $425. But guys, it is super, super tough to go anywhere and stay two nights and not spend that much. So that is the price of your room plus the material. That's it. So um, just know that we're trying to make that as inexpensive as possible for you. But we are super excited about it. October 6th, 7th, and 8th, make sure you make plans to go and get signed up. Do so on the Church Center app. Well, we're going to continue to worship now, the giving tithes and offerings. I hope you've come prepared today to give back to the Lord. We're going to worship Him now. Uh, you know all the different ways that you can give here at Fellowship. You can text tithe. You can tithe through the Church Center app. You can, you can drop your uh, offering off. But as you get ready to do that, let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. Lord, thank you. You have been faithful to us our whole life. And not only are you faithful in us in relationship, but you're also faithful to us as far as blessing and always taking care of us. We can think about our life and how you have blessed us so many times, brought us through hard financial situations. It's because, God, you are the author of everything, the creator of everything. You're the one that owns all the wealth. You can distribute that however you want. So we pray in Jesus' name that you would bless us like you say you will do in your word, and you will stay faithful as we give back to you, and we know you will. We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you, Lord God, for just blessing the things that are happening here. Thank you for our church family, family Lord. We thank you, God, for how good you are to us, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you as you give. Here's a few more things that are happening here at Fellowship. We're hoping to grow our medical response team. So if you're a paramedic or a registered nurse and you feel like this is something that you would like to be a part of, would you come on out to the visitor counter and talk to us after this service and we can see how we can get you more involved. We have a guest reception coming up next Sunday and if you're a guest or a visitor or you've been here for only a short time, we would love to have you be a part of that. You can sign you and your family up on the Church Center app. We'd love to treat you to a continental breakfast, have you sit down with one of our church representatives. You can get all of your questions answered. We can give you a tour of our facilities, and we really just want to see if we can get you involved and get you feeling like family here. If you have any questions, you can stop by the visitor counter. Our next round of Rooted is starting on Sunday, September 18th. Join us for this 10-week study that meets at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. This is a great place to find community, to build some lasting relationships, and a safe place to be able to ask questions and get your questions answered. Whether you're a new believer or you've been on this journey of faith for a long time, this could even just fill in some blanks that you might have about your relationship with the Lord or about scripture. So join us for this study. You don't wanna miss out. You can sign up on the Church Center app. The cost is $25 and at each of our meetings, we'll have some coffee and some treats there for you too. Thank you for choosing to be with us here today, and we hope you enjoy today's service.
It's not like it used to be when we were kids. The pressures, the expectations, the uncertainty. It seems like being young grows more difficult each year. And being a parent comes with an ever-increasing level of anxiety. God, as a new school year begins, we ask for your hand to rest on the shoulders of our children. May your presence be palpable, your wisdom accessible, and your glory undeniable. We pray you would guard their hearts, guide their steps, and keep them safe. As they walk the halls, may their eyes be fixed on you. When they're overwhelmed, grant them peace. And when they're uncertain, grant them understanding. Thank you for entrusting us with your creation. Now, as they go back to school, we entrust them to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray about our kids going back to school. We pray about their safety. We pray about their protection. We pray for their happiness. We pray for the teachers. We pray for the superintendents at the school. We pray for our community. We pray for our coworkers, our jobs, our income. Pray that the price of gas would come down. We pray for the protection of our pets. We pray about everything. Praying about everything wasn't a good idea. It's not our idea. It was God's idea. Because God knew as his children we were going to be living in a climate and a culture in which the enemy would never cease to try to kill, steal, and destroy to try to take away your joy, your happiness, and if he can't get directly to you, he wants to get to those that you love. Because a parent can only be as happy as her happiest child. Am I right? So therefore we pray. We pray about everything. Now, this was God's idea. He tells us about this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 through 7. Take a look at it. Always be full of joy. That word joy means the emotion of great happiness in the Lord. And not, it's not based on our circumstances. He's telling us what to do regardless of our circumstances. He said, I'll say it again, rejoice. In other words, let's re-joy. Let's keep joy going. Happiness, he says, and let everyone see that you are considerate, thoughtful of others. God always wants us to know, listen, and this is important, in this selfie-taking world, this world and this life is not about you. Right. It's about your family members. It's about your friends. It's about others. It's never, your life is never supposed to be about you. Your life is always supposed to be focused on those that God put around you. He said, remember, the Lord is coming. And then he says, and don't worry about anything. And boy, that's a, that's a tall order, isn't it? Instead, he says, Pray about everything. There it is. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Whatever it is you're worried about, thinking about, go ahead and talk to God about it. Thank him for all he's already done. And then he says, and then when? After you have stopped worrying and start telling him what you need and then thanking him for what he's already done, he says, and then you're going to experience God's peace. Not until then. 
Peace, meaning the absence of anxiety and mental stress, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Total confidence in every situation. His peace, God says, will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In the last almost 33 years now, in back rooms, classrooms, and conferences, and seminars, and right here on this platform, we have taught a lot of topics, but none more important than the topic of this series that we're going to be teaching, the topic of prayer. I started talking to God when I was 12 years of age. My first communication with him really was about salvation. I heard that Jesus saved. I knew I couldn't save myself. I asked Jesus to come to my heart, forgive me of my sins, and be my Lord and Savior, and do this life with me. I prayed about the normal things teenage boys pray about. I prayed about school. I prayed about sports. I prayed about girls. I prayed about, I prayed about my parents. I loved my parents, and I prayed about them. But when my dad got sick, I got serious. And my communication with my healing, miracle-working Heavenly Father increased in time and in great detail. Well, over the years, you guys have heard my stories a lot to the point where you're probably tired of them, and I understand. <laughs> but as your pastor, I never get tired of hearing your stories. This morning, I have Pastor Sean Tatum on the platform with me. Now, Pastor Sean, yeah, those of you who know, you cannot, if you know Pastor Sean, you can't help but to love him because he, uh, he is the definition of considerate here in the scripture. He's always thinking about others. He's very, very helpful. He's been working here for 10 years, teaching in the back. We've got a few pictures over the years where he has started. When, I think it was campus operation you started on. Yes, sir. He was really terrible at that, so we moved him quickly. It's not offensive. It's really true. <laughs> it's true. No, it's really true. I broke more than I fixed. I think Jeff fired him in day two. But anyway, <laughs> then we moved him around to 4640 students and the children and adult ministries. And then he started working teaching uh, uh, in adult um, uh, retreats for men. And then he's done many, many funeral services, many, many memorial services, many, many weddings, performed many wedding ceremonies. And he's just kind of one of those utility players that's everywhere. And our staff love him for this reason. He is the most helpful person. He's constantly looking for somebody on our team that he can help and team up with and be a part of and push them forward and cheerlead for He's amazing that way. I love him because of who he married. It's true. If you know Tom Davis here at the church, you know him as a high-capacity, incredibly faithful volunteer for many, many years. Our staff love him to death, and we put a lot on him over the years. He has two daughters, one of them is Sierra. And Sierra grew up, I think we got a picture, she grew up in our church. She's, I think that's her when she was, yeah, right there, one of our nursery classes. <laughs> Later as a teenager, I think she's in the mud pit. She's like the one on the dead center in Where's the back. Where's she at? She's in the dead back. center in the back. Okay. And so she's just grown up here, and now she has a family, husband, and Sean was a single dad when she married, he married Sierra, and now she is a labor and delivery nurse at St. Mary's Hospital. <laughs> that doesn't make me feel old at all. <laughs> but this is a wonderful, wonderful, sweet family. And when Sean and uh, Sierra got married, their dream was to have uh, a child, a child of their own. And in this story, you're going to hear how the praying for every little detail along the way is so incredibly important for God to come and rescue you. Listen to this. 
Yeah, so some of you are familiar with this story, but for those who aren't, um, back in June of 2020, my uh, youngest daughter, Elliot, was born. She was born at roughly 11.45 p.m. on June 13th, and she appeared to be perfectly healthy. We spent the first day of her life overjoyed and over the moon. We have a picture of her um, on that day. Just the cutest baby you've ever seen, right? And I get it. I'm an objective opinion, so you can trust me on that. But um, we had been praying for Elliot to be born for a long time. We started trying to have a baby back in 2018, and, and we struggled to get pregnant for about two years. And if you've walked through infertility before, you know just how hard that can be, how crushing that can be. So to say the least, that Elliot being born was already a miracle for us. And so we spent two years praying fervently for the birth of this sweet baby girl. We spent two long years of getting our hopes up, only to have to fight off disappointment again and again. And the Bible says in Proverbs 13, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And while we started off strong and hopeful through the disappointment, the two years of fighting for hope starts to wear you down. But as we've seen countless times through scripture, in the lives of those around us and in our own story, God was faithful and he provided to us Elliot May Tatum. And the first 23 hours of Elliot's life were just bliss. I mean, she was perfect. Sierra was crushing it as a mom. And to be honest, I was just happy to be there. It was awesome. I got to eat snacks, watch baseball on the hospital TV. Like, great day for me. <laughs> um, but hour 24 is when everything changed. The nurse came in to do some routine testing and to make sure Elliot was hitting her appropriate milestones and that everything was okay. And so first they tested her hearing and she didn't pass that test. But I remember from my oldest daughter's birth that most babies don't pass the hearing test um, because go figure, infants are hard to get with the program. They don't like being poked and prodded. And so she probably just squirmed to fault the results. And I thought, no sweat, not a big deal. It's fine and I encouraged Sierra, we're good. We got this, not a big deal. But then the nurse comes back in after some time, and she had just got done testing Elliot's blood oxygen levels, and she failed that test. And again, I, I kind of shrugged it off. I was like, you know, it's, again, it's not that, not that big a deal. Babies fail these tests all the time, and I just chalked it up to that. But then when they retested her blood oxygen levels again about an hour later, she failed again. And so the nurse tells us this, and, and she says, it's probably fine, but we're going to go, we're going to monitor in the NICU. Everything's going to be okay. Why don't you guys get some sleep and kind of take your mind off of this? And what you need to know is that only one of you will be allowed in the NICU at a time because of the COVID restrictions. And so we prayed, and we called it a night. And then Sierra ends up down in the NICU to, to feed Elliot in the middle of the night. And the next thing I know, I'm being woken up by the nurse. And all she says to me is, get up and come with me to the NICU right now. And I knew something instantly was wrong because she had already told us that only one of us could be there in the NICU at a time. And, and I, wanna, I wanna say, if you struggle with getting up early in the morning, if you're looking for a really effective alarm clock, I recommend hiring a medical professional to come in your room in the middle of the night and just say, get up and come with me now. Because it was, whoo, I was wide awake, better than any cup of coffee I've ever had in my life. But we hustled down to the NICU, and there's my wife. Her eyes are red, and and there's worry on her face. And the NICU doctor goes on to tell us that Elliot has something wrong with her heart and that her lower limbs and her organs are not receiving the blood they need and that she would need an open heart surgery to fix it and they would be life-flighting Elliot to Children's Hospital in Aurora later that day. And the room went quiet. 
left only with the sound of, of heart monitors and held back tears. And, and in that moment, I, I did my best. I did my best to seem strong. I did my best to keep my eyes on God. And I did my best to look at my wife and seem like, we've, we've got this. We've been through tough things before. And, and like I my faith was strong. And, and this wasn't my first rodeo through hard times. But this, this was different. My face was burning. My ears were ringing. My heart was pounding. The team from Children's Hospital showed up, and, and they explained that only one of us could go in the airplane with Elliot, and so we decided that um, Sierra would fly with her, and I would drive to Denver. And then I leaned down next to my daughter, and I put my hands under her, because I couldn't pick her up at the time. She was hooked up to too many monitors. And I told her I loved her. And then I hugged my wife, and I hugged my dad, and I left the hospital. And the next hour was just, it was just a blur to me. It was a, it was a mix of getting gas and packing and forcing myself to eat something and then crying my, or calling my friends to cry and pray and, and, and just in general, just get to Denver. That's all that was on my mind was get to Denver. And I'm reminded of when Abraham was, was asked by God to give Isaac as a sacrifice. Much like my story, Abraham and his wife had prayed and prayed and prayed to have a child with no success, and they had to wait too. And granted, they had to wait a little bit longer than we did, but the point is still there. Finally, God delivered as he always does, and Isaac, their son, was born. The promise of God had finally arrived, and Abraham was over the moon over his beloved son, but after a while, it became time for God to check back in with Abraham. And our sovereign God knows exactly what we need, and he knew that Abraham needed a reminder. And so he asked Abraham to trust him, to give his only child, the same child he wept for in prayer, the same child he spent a near century dreaming of, the same child that fulfilled the prophecy that Abraham built his entire life around, that same child to give him as a sacrifice to the one who gave him in the first place. And it was through the everyday moments of trusting God and praying to him and communicating with him and meeting with him that Abraham trusted him. And so he began his journey up the mountain with Isaac in tow. And as I began my journey over the mountains, I had a similar conversation with God. I, I remember saying out loud, how can this be happening? I mean, I was angry, I was in shock, I was distraught, and, and I, was, I was in disbelief. This child that I prayed for, this child that God had promised, this child who I loved so much was now in danger and it was unclear if she would make it through. And then I felt the Lord so gently ask me, do you trust me? And through all my feelings and my fear and my tears, I, I fought for the words, yes, God, your will be done. And so I get to the hospital, and we go to get checked in, and, and it was a disaster. I mean, this was, this was the height of the pandemic, the height of the shutdown, and it was in Denver. And I know that, like, Grand Junction during the shutdown was kind of chill. Denver was not. It was a completely different world over there. And so we had to take a COVID test before we could leave our hospital room. We couldn't leave to go get food. We couldn't leave to go get water. We couldn't leave to go to the bathroom. And, and yes, our room had a bathroom, but it was just a toilet with a curtain. And our room was made of glass, and there were constantly people coming in and out of it. And yes, there was water in our room, but it was from the sink in the said curtain bathroom. And if we needed food, we had to ask the nurse to go get it for us. And I thought all of this was crazy, and I tried to not listen to it until I got yelled at by a nurse half my size in a hazmat suit. <laughs> <laughs> and so, here we are, stuck in a hospital room, sleeping on a couch and a recliner, waiting. Waiting for test results 
waiting for an update, waiting for good news, waiting for bad news, but mainly waiting for a surgery to be scheduled, every day being told that we had to push your surgery again. You see, Elliot's need was urgent, but it wasn't emergent. So we kept getting pushed down the line, and needless to say, I was getting very frustrated. And the major difference between me and my wife is that I'm an insane person and she isn't. (laughs) And so I'm pacing around the room like, this is ridiculous. How can they just decide who gets surgery before my kid? I mean, it should happen in the time that you arrive. I mean, that's how every fast food restaurant in America works. It's a line, people. And I get that that's irrational. Like I said, I'm an insane person, my wife isn't. Because I look over as I'm raging on, and she's sitting there, she's praying. She's reading scripture, she's worshiping, she's spending time with our you know, infant brand new daughter as I'm just losing it. And so she's bringing me back to reality and where my faith was challenged, where my faith needed a boost, hers was rock solid and steady. And, and church family, I married up big time, like I get it. I outpunted my coverage for sure when I married her and she is truly better than me in every way. And I was already grateful to God for her because of our story, but through this season, became even more so. But finally, after five grueling days of no change, we have a surgery scheduled. And it just so happened that the reason we kept getting moved down the line was God's timing, as it always is, you know? And, and so Elliot's surgery was so complicated that the surgical board at the hospital decided that only the best person could do the surgery successfully. And so we kept getting pushed down the line so that the schedule would open up of the chief of cardiac surgery at Children's Hospital. God knew he needed the best possible hands for Elliot's healing. And so when the day of the surgery finally arrived, we found ourselves faced with the very real possibility of the what if. What if something goes wrong on the table? What if they get in there and it's worse than they thought? What if there's complications and Elliot needs a massive amount of support for the rest of her life, or worst of all, what if she never comes out of that room. And as I wrestled with all of these questions swirling around in my head, I held my daughter and I had this moment, and I'll never forget it as long as I live. I remembered Abraham walking Isaac up the mountain, trusting God, trusting that the God who promised Isaac in the first place would come through. And as they approached the altar to make the sacrifice, Abraham was faced with this impossible decision of giving his blessing, his promise, his miracle, back to the Lord, and in the moment, not knowing the outcome. And, and that was me. I had prayed for this child so much. I had spent so many sleepless nights praying for this child to become a reality. And now that she was here, I was faced with the very real possibility that I would have to give this blessing, this miracle, this promise back to the Lord. And so I looked at my daughter, and I prayed. And I prayed, God, I trust you. And if this is the only time I ever get with her, I thank you for it. And then I laid her down, and they wheeled her out to surgery. And we spent the majority of the day in the waiting room just just trying to be distracted because we were a mess. So one minute we're watching Star Wars, and the next we're quietly weeping in the corner. Or one minute we're laughing at the office, eating Panda Express, and the next minute I'm again raging through the room, losing my mind because we went six hours waiting to hear if anything was gonna be okay. And finally, the surgical nurse comes out and she tells us that the surgery was, went well, it was a success, and they were gonna take her back to her room, get her settled, and they would come and get us. And when we get back to Elliot's room, 
I, I try to remember this, and it was like watching it in fast forward because it's such an overwhelming blur of a memory. There were like 15 people buzzing around the room, shouting orders, um, caring for Elliot, countless tubes and wires, alarms going off, and it was, I just, all I could do was sit on the little fold-out couch and just watch. And finally, the nurse notices me in Sierra, and she says, you guys, go, go get dinner. We've got this. We'll, we'll take care of it. You go. Take your mind off of this. We'll, we'll let you know when things are settled. And that's what we did. We went and got dinner with my parents and Sierra's dad and sister. And so while we try to enjoy ourselves and be present at that dinner, as you can imagine, our minds were elsewhere. So we get back to the hospital, and, and there are less people in the room, but still a good handful. And then we settled in to the second but more difficult leg of our journey, the recovery process. The recovery process was brutal. Up from Elliot's birth to her surgery was six days, but from the surgery to when we left the hospital was 20 days. 20 long, grueling days of just hurry up and wait. 20 impossibly long days of living in a hospital room, being trapped and cooped up. And at one point, I became so stir-crazy that I went for a run, and folks, I don't run. I don't do it. I know you're up here. I know you're out there. You're squinting. You're like, is that Tim Tebow? Is that him up there? Is that Tom Brady, the, the peak physical fitness? And I get why you would say that. I see myself every day. But uh, it's not true. In fact, I told Sierra, I can't take this. I'm going for a run. And she looked at me like I was on the edge of a breakdown. And she was, that's how much I don't run. Like, it is a problem. I don't do it. But I felt so trapped. I felt so stuck, stuck in this hospital room, stuck in Elliot's recovery. She had to learn how to do everything. I mean, she had to learn how to eat because she was on a time tube feeding for her whole life at this point. And, and during the surgery, there's this, there's this nerve that controls your vocal cords that lays over the part of her heart that needed repair. And so when they were doing the surgery, they moved that nerve and they accidentally caused some damage, which caused paralysis in Elliot's vocal cords, which meant that every time she tried to eat, she would choke. And so we had, to, we had to let that kind of heal to a point where she could get through it before she could learn to eat. And then we had to wean off of her, her blood, blood, blah, blood pressure regulating medicine. And every time she would make progress and her, her pressures would be stable, we'd wean the medicine back, we'd, we'd have to start back over at square one. She had to learn how to breathe without oxygen. And every time we would do the room air test to make sure that she could breathe without it, her blood oxygen levels would get too low and we'd have to start over 20 days of just waiting, waiting for a human to grow into the appropriate milestones. And, and when you're at home, when you're at home with your family and you're watching your baby grow into these milestones, they're a blessing. They're, they're bonding. They bring you closer together as a family. But when you're trapped in a hospital room and those milestones stand between you and getting on with your life, those milestones start to begin to feel like mountains. But again, I was reminded of Abraham. It took decades to see what God had promised him. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. God promised him that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars, all the while not having a single child to his name. It took nearly 100 years for the birth of Isaac. And what I learned through this whole process of Elliot's health is that the long haul is where the rubber meets the road in faith. That's where the foundation of faith is laid. It's in the long haul. It's in the mundane, and it's in the frustration of waiting. The foundation of faith it takes to withstand the trials of life is built in the long haul, but it's solidified in the praying to God, praying to him every day, 
every hour, every moment of when you're waiting. Whether you're in a season of waiting or you're in a season of blessing or you're in a season of crisis, it's the praying to God every day that solidifies that foundation. That's where Abraham learned to trust God. It wasn't when he was asked to sacrifice Isaac. No, he already was trusting God at that point. It was back when God asked him to leave the safety of his family and his homeland. It was back in the everyday moments. It was back in the trials of facing infertility for a lifetime. It was in prayer. And I had always believed in prayer and had seen prayer work in my life, and that's where I learned to trust him. Not when I got to this impossible situation, but in the simple, everyday moments. And this situation, it took my faith and my trust in him to a new level, but the foundation had already been laid, and it was because of the praying in the waiting that we were able to rely on him in the crisis. He had already proved himself faithful. That not only was Elliot safe through this first surgery, but when she had to have a second open heart surgery two months later, she was safe and healed. And to this day, she has no lasting issues because of this heart defect or these surgeries. And I believe that not only was she healed through the surgeries, but I believe that she was healed through the prayers. The prayers in the everyday moment for me, the prayers from my wife, the prayers from my family, the prayers from those of you in this room. That is where God meets us, in our need through prayer. And if it weren't for the scar on my daughter's chest, you would never know her life started out the way that it did. Wow, how's she talking? She, she, the vocal cord paralysis is gone. <laughs> she talks plenty. <laughs> I think it's the middle battles, it's the toughest in times like that. We know we have a God that can do all things. We know that He can heal. We've seen Him do it in others. We know He can do it for us. But it's that waiting, it's that holding pattern that we can sometimes feel like we're losing our mind. It's the feelings of the what ifs. What if He doesn't? What if this isn't His will? What if He decides that He's going to do something that is totally opposite of what we've been praying for? Why don't you go ahead and bring uh, Sierra and Copeland and they're there Elliot the out there. Are they in the back? There yep, they are. They're on their way. Step down there and help her up the stairs. Would of you course. do that? <laughs> I knew you would have done that without me telling you that. Yeah, but, I would have. But Sierra's I would have done it. Sierra's expecting another baby, right? You yes, have correct. Another baby. Yeah. Okay, right Number three. So your continued prayers, <laughs> we love it. Uh, Copeland, eight years old. There's Elliot. I'm just going to get out of the way. I want to ask how many of you feel like, go ahead and stand if you would, please. <clears throat> You've been praying about something and you feel like this waiting's about to kill me. I mean, sometimes we would just like God to say, just give us an answer. Just say no. I'll deal with it and we'll move on and change our prayer. Just tell us something. But even when it seems like God isn't doing something, he's doing something. You see, when God's doing something, he's doing something. And when he's not doing something, he's doing something. But it's the waiting. With heads bowed and eyes closed for a minute, I wonder how many of you would say, I'm waiting for something that I need God to come through for and come through with so 
bad quickly. Would you raise your hand, please? Would you slip it up? Could I get you guys to come down front for a minute? Come on. There's a lot of things that we deal with in life. Come on closer, y'all. I put cologne on and deodorant and everything. <laughs> I'm going to ask Pastor Sean with his family to pray for y'all this morning. Pray for us. And then minutes seem like days and hours seem like weeks. And there is no option here. You need an answer. You need God to come through. You, you have no more tricks up your sleeve, no more rabbits you can pull out of a hat. <laughs> There's nothing else that you could do. When I was young, I used to ask God, God, give me the ball. I'll do everything. You just block for me. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I'll quarterback it. I'll run it. Just block for me. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, God, you carry the ball. You quarterback. I'll just wear the jersey and stand on the field. You equip me to do what you want me to do, and I'll do it. But if you don't, I'm just waiting on you. But I'm going to talk your ear off with every minute detail of what I'm dealing with until you give me some answer. Because I do not have anywhere else to turn. I don't. This family that day, I remember little Copeland being here in town, not able to see her parents for a very long time. She was such a trooper. I remember how the staff prayed for this couple. Prayed for little Elliot. And God gave an answer. And it was a miraculous one. And I'm believing as Sean prays for you this morning, God's going to give you your answer. And in Jesus' name, it's coming quickly. So get ready. Get ready. Get ready, Sean. Lord God, first and foremost, we just we want to say thank you. Jesus, we thank you that we get to come before you, that we get to partner with you in life, that we get to experience your goodness in all seasons, in all aspects. And Lord, we just ask for a supernatural memory, a supernatural memory so that we can remember where you've been already, so that we can see that you've been faithful, where we were missed by that car in that intersection where we were rescued from an abusive situation, where we were brought out of bondage and addiction, where we were healed from medical things that have no logical reason why. God, we ask that you would help us to remember your faithfulness. And then Jesus, I ask that you would give every single person in this room, every single person who can hear my voice, God, that you would give them a hunger for prayer, a hunger to connect with you, God. And when they're in a season of waiting, God, that they would, they would come running to you. You say, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. God, we are drawing 
near. I ask for healings right now. I ask for miracles right now in the powerful name of Jesus, that we would stand in the gift of faith, knowing and not surprised that you heal, that you do deliver, and that you will do it again. And God, I pray that you would change our perspective to see it the way you've designed it, not by our might, not by our strength, but by yours, God. Jesus, we love you, and we are grateful and thankful in advance for the waiting. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, well, bless you, church family. We love you so much. Give some hugs. There's a lot of people crying in the room, so give some hugs on your way out. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you have just prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you need prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this is your first time experiencing Fellowship Church or you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.